this is the second interview on the uh, basics of software software engineering course and today my guest is Maria Pasivara from SoberIT she's a researcher and um, you're specializing in global software development correctly yes okay so uh, if you uh, could um, shortly tell me what is global software development ah what is global software development so uh, uh, it's distributed globally distributed software development projects so normally they are projects but it could be also maintenance maintenance type of project but anyway globally distributed software development means that at least in two different countries are people working for the same project okay uh, when you talk about project what do you mean ah, what I what do I mean about the project do, do you mean that um, uh, there's group of people that defines a project or some topic or some uh, requirement set of requirements so it could be a product project or it I can I call also maintenance as a project even though it might not be counted as a project but quite often they are also some kind of projects where new versions are developed okay so uh, in your research, uh, have you found that it's really worth of doing global software development? Well, it it's of, of course easier to do uh, software development when all people are in the same place, in the same building even, or same floor. But uh, quite often companies just have offices in different parts of the world or, or just want to use resources from a cheap labor country. So that way they just have to use global software development especially if they are developing software for for different markets okay um, do you have some idea of how large percent of the uh, global software development projects are actually successful or is, is that more or less than normally software projects well I, I don't know if that kind of research has ever been done at least I haven't seen any figures regarding that, but uh, I guess that uh, probably normal software development projects which are done in one place only, they are probably more successful than globally distributed, but that's just my guess. Okay. <clears throat> so, how do you think it is best way to identify when when a global software development is worth of it if you have that choice? Well, if you have the choice, it's probably <laughs> my my advice would be that don't do the, don't do it. So it's easier, of course, do it in one place. But uh, many companies have been uh, calculating that it might be cheaper to use resources from from cheaper labor countries. So uh, especially if you have your own office or a subcontractor in some cheaper labor country, and then you do a lot of projects with the same people there. So then it can be profitable. But if you if you are doing your first project with a new subcontractor and new people, then it might might not be worth for that project. So the second or the third or even the fifth project might be the worst first one that is profitable. Okay, is the cost of labor or um, some other such thing the most important reason companies usually do? outsourcing or global software development 
So it's it's one of the reasons. But quite often nowadays, when I talk with the companies, so they mention this as one of the major reasons. But of course, they have also other reasons like. Uh, I like getting more resources than it's possible just for from Finland, and it's easier to get a lot of resources, for example, by hiring a subcontractor than just hiring person by person. Okay. Okay. Um, let's go on to the topics of the lecture. So um, you you talk about establishing pair-to-pair links. Um, Have you met any um, cultural pl- problems here? And that's where, if you have, what kind of cultural problems are there? Uh, regarding peer-to-peer links? Yeah, yeah. well, if you have like links uh, on the manager level and then um, project manager level and then uh, developer level, is that possible always due to cultural reasons? To have that kind of links? Uh, yeah, or is it harder in some cultures Of course, it, it, for example, Asian cultures where uh, uh, where developers are not so used to make decisions by themselves, it might be more difficult for, to make them talk with their colleagues, for example, in Finland, uh, because they are used to t- talking or asking questions first from their superiors there. Okay. Um, then uh, to uh, even more specialized topic, the agile practices in distributed process or so-called um, what was it called um, agile distributed development. If I remember correctly, distributed agile ah, development. Okay. But that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Okay. Um, from what I know, the kind of the agile practices and global software development seem to be very conflicting in their practices. Why do you think companies even want to try agile development in global software development environment? Well, why do why do they want to try that? Maybe just because they have noticed that agile uh, practices and agile methods have been useful for projects that are done in one place. So maybe they think that also that kind of good practices could be useful for uh, globally distributed projects. And in a way that seems to be contradictory because uh, uh, because agile methods are based so much on communication and especially face-to-face communication. And on the other hand, in global software development, that's that's the most problematic area, the communication and having uh, face-to-face contacts. But in a way, uh, even though it seems like contradictory, then also agile practices Uh, like daily scrum meetings force people to communicate frequently also in globally distributed projects and that way it might even help okay in most agile development methods the um, optimal size of the team is quite small so if the team is at most 10 persons what's the point of spreading the team all over the world if it's so small Actually, that might not be a good idea. Might not be a good idea to do that at all. So quite often, uh, teams are not distributed, but uh, one on one one side they have their own teams there, and on the other side they have their own teams. But for example, in that case that I uh, told during the lecture, so there at least the product owner was from other side because all the product owners were sitting on one side, 
and they uh, developers most of the developers were sitting on the other side but sometimes the teams just have to be divided because uh, people at different sites have different kind of skills and uh, they need to have all those people in one team so do you think the companies doing global software development really do a cost benefits valuation of the uh, for example outsourcing or subcontracting from overseas or do they just base it on on feeling or what's what's a heap to, uh, that's good thing to do at the moment well at, at least at the moment uh, many customers are already require, requiring that part of the work is done in some cheaper labor country so that way customers might be even forcing the company to use that kind of distributed project but but I think that many companies are doing at least some kind of calculations but uh, it at least that's my feeling that quite often the calculations are based more on feeling and they are, they might forget some costs uh, real costs that are really occurring for example training and 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 there might be a lot more uh, traveling than they expect. Okay. So it would be interesting if somebody would do a real calculation afterwards and compare how much how much does it really cost to have it have a project distributed. Is it really beneficial? That hasn't been done to your knowledge. Your knowledge. At least any uh, any scientific publications I haven't seen about that. But of course, it's difficult to do that when all the projects are different. So you should have like two similar projects, one done in a distributed way and one done in one place, and then you could compare. Okay. Um, you said the customers. Uh, what are the customers in this kind of situation? I don't think that like end user or general public demands no, such no. things. Well, when I'm talking about the customer, so it's normally uh, a software development company here in Finland, for example. And that's the customer like IBM or Tietoinator. So they are subcontracting to some some other company and they are forced to use cheaper labor? Yes. Okay. Why do you think that is? Why? And well, maybe the word forced is not, <laughs> not the correct one. So of course some customers are asking for that and of course if if we are talking about this IBM and theater and other kind of companies of course it's also their own initiative and idea when they have these locations in different parts of the world to do that kind of global software development since of course they don't have all the skills here in Finland. Mm. What kind of skills are missing for Finland? Uh, maybe not totally skills, but at the moment it's more like uh, just Java coders or something like that, uh, that we don't have enough people here in Finland. There's not enough Java coders in <laughs> Finland. That's interesting. Well, you have to ask those companies, but normally it's quite often uh, just coding work that is done in, in other con- countries. So it's quite often that if the end customers are here in Finland, so the Finnish developers are, are more, more like uh, collecting requirements from the end customers and doing specifications and requirements and then giving those specifications uh, to those 
people from other countries who can then go and test the, test the software. All right. Quite often the division is like that. All right. Okay. Oh, well, I think that's uh, all we have time this time. And uh, I'd like to thank you for participating. And uh, for our listeners, uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>